another thing for me was deciding that the studio had to be my happy place. I wanted it to be my happy place. And if I had customers that were making it not happy for me to be there, then it was okay to say goodbye. CEOs often feel stuck in the grind of scaling their business and feel like they're missing out on the best parts of life, like family, friends, or travel. On this podcast, CEOs come to take themselves and their companies to the next level. Let's dive into the millionaire mind with your host, Dallin Schultz. Hey, welcome back to another Millionaire Mind episode where I have some of the most successful business owners sharing what motivates them to get out of bed every morning and how they elevate themselves and their companies to the next level. Now, many entrepreneurs have a dream or a passion that ignites a a particular drive within them to pursue it. And having a clear vision and a determination often leads these entrepreneurs into accomplishing that dream, but it's never without challenges along the way. And, you know, as I was reading a book this morning, there was a quote that just really resonated with me. And I want to share that really quick here. That quote stated, You're playing small does not serve the world. You're playing small does not serve the world. And our guest today, is going to invite us into her world and show you how by not playing small, she's been able to impact, gosh, probably thousands of people at this point over the years. And so really excited to get into her story. And you're going to hear how this woman made this dream a reality and how she's been able to impact many people at all ages because she chose to pursue this dream. So really excited about today's episode. A special welcome to our guest, Jenny Rogers. Jenny, appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much, Dallin. I'm excited to be here and to share a little bit of my journey with you. Excellent. Well, Jenny, why don't you take a couple minutes and just share with our listener a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Jenny Rogers. And for the past 25 years, I have owned the Safford Dance Academy which is a small town, Safford, Arizona. Um, It's a dance studio in Safford, Arizona. We teach dancers from the age of three years old all the way through adults, actually. We have had adults in the past. We currently don't have any adult classes, but we have had them in the past. Our goal is to have a dancer start when they're three and finish with us when they're 18 years old because they have loved our program so much. That's really our goal. If we can touch a person's life in that way that they love to dance and want to be part of our program, we love to see them progress. Of course, it doesn't happen with every three-year-old that starts. And we have dancers that start way later in life and have that same passion. But our goal is to make a difference in the lives of every individual that walks into our studio, a positive influence. I think something that I've learned along the way is not every dancer that walks into our studio is going to become a professional dancer. Not every dancer is going to even want to dance into high school or into as they're getting older. But what I've learned is if what we teach them can make them a better person, can influence them to be better people, to make better decisions, to be dedicated to the things that they choose to be dedicated to, then we've done what we set out to do. And we can call that success. What an incredible mission and vision. And fun fact, my wife actually participated in the Safford Dance Academy. So she's been able to experience it firsthand and, and what you've been able to create and provide. 
Now, Jenny, on any given year, on average, how many people come through your studio? The last actually several years, we range anywhere from 250 to 300 students. We haven't really ever exceeded that amount. And we've never really fallen below that amount. That's about where we are. Now, there's lots of dance studios out there that I know, like personally, I know people who own dance studios that have lots and lots more students than I have. I love the amount of students I have. I feel like I can get to know the students that I teach, that we can give them opportunities that they wouldn't have maybe at larger studios. I feel like we have a personal touch with each of our students and we can make that difference. What our mission statement is to make a difference in their life. I feel like we can do that with that amount of students. And that's something that I've just learned over the years that I don't need to have a big, huge studio. I am happy and I feel at peace with this number of students because I feel like I can accomplish my goals with that set. What you just said there, I think is huge because as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as people, I think we often find ourselves easily comparing to other people, especially with social media and the way those algorithms work, whatever you're interested in, that's what you see all the time. And But what you just shared, I think is very wise. And there's a lot of value in that for somebody listening. You got to do what feels right for you and for your situation, for your community, what you're looking for, that 250 to 300 students a year, which is still a good number, gives you that fulfillment. Because I would imagine these probably almost feel like your kids because you see them on a weekly basis and it's a small enough number that you're able to really connect with them on a more intimate level. And that brings a lot of value to businesses when you're able to connect with your customer, with your client on a more intimate level and really provide a great experience for them from start to finish. And you said your goal is to get them in at three years old. And, And ideally, if they continue to pursue, these are kids that you follow from the time they're three all the way up through school. Yep. I think it's interesting because school teachers get their students every day of the week but they get them for one year, which they become very close. Students become very close to their school teachers. But I think what's unique and special about my business is that we get the students maybe once a week. As they get older, they come two or three or sometimes even four times a week. But we get them for years, hopefully. If we're doing our job right, we get them for years. We get to see, and I've seen it in 25 years. I've seen a dancer start at three years old and cry at their first recital when they're three years old on stage and then do a senior solo their senior year of high school. And how special that is that we've seen that journey and been part of that journey and been special enough in their life and taught them enough that they want to keep dancing and keep being a part of our program. I think that's really special. I think a lot of my business is also developing relationships with those kids. And to me, relationships are some of the most important things that in my business we can develop. We need to develop relationships with our students, with their parents. Their parents have to trust us. They're the ones paying. And so they have to trust us that we are going to do what's right for their kids. I also have to develop relationships with my staff that they understand the business, that they believe in the business and have the same philosophies that I have. All of my teachers, all of my front desk staff, 
we all have to have a great relationship or else it doesn't work. What Jenny just shared with us right there, there's a lot in that. And in the last five minutes, probably two minutes, she mentioned how she's got to work on relationships with her students, relationships with the parents, and relationships with her staff. That is, you're being invited into the mind of a business owner, right? It's not just a relationship with one person. It's a relationship with 250 to 300 students, assuming there's a parent or two involved. Now you're up to six, 700, 800 people, right? And now you've got the staff involved as well and community members that you're trying to bring in for support and whether you do sponsorships or events and things like that as well. That is a lot of relationships to manage, but successful business owners have mastered that ability to be able to delegate and to really connect with people on that level that's required for their business to be successful. So I'm sure that's going to come up again in our conversation here, but Jenny, let's, let's take it back. When did this journey really begin for you? Okay. You know, it's funny because I don't know if a lot of business owners, and maybe they do, but my journey started when I was a young child, when I started dancing. My family moved to Safford, Arizona when I was eight years old. And before that, I had lived in several places. My dad was in the army for a few years, and then he was in school, and then he got out of school. I'm the oldest of five, and so I got to experience all of that moving. But then when I was eight years old, my parents moved to Safford. Before that, I had taken gymnastics in Colorado, where I lived, and I loved that. You know, every six and seven year old thinks they're going to be the next Olympian. So of course, that's where I was coming from. But when we moved to Safford, the gymnastics place was about 20 minutes away. And I'm the oldest of five. And I was only eight years old. And my mom just didn't think she could take me 20 minutes away to gymnastics. But luckily for me, my mom was actually in the hospital having my youngest brother and her nurse owned the Safford Dance Academy. And she said, why don't you bring Jenny to dance class? And so that's when I started. I started dancing when I was eight years old and I haven't stopped since. I have been dancing since I was eight years old. As I got older, I loved the way it made me feel. I loved the connection with the music. I loved how my body felt when I danced. I loved the things that I learned while I was dancing, the discipline and the just so many lessons that can be learned from being involved in any activity, right? But for me, it was dance and dance moved me. And as I got into high school, I started watching my dance teachers and I thought this could be something that I really could love to do. You start thinking about what you're going to do in the future about that time. And I remember watching my dance teachers and all of my dance teachers at the time had a job, like a real job. And then they came and danced after, taught dance classes after. So when my, this lady that owned the studio was a nurse. So she'd go and work at the hospital all day and then come teach dance all night. I had another dance teacher that owned a property company and she'd do that all day. And then she'd come and dance all night. And I just thought, okay, so what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I thought, okay, maybe I could be a school teacher. And then I could teach dance at night. So that's kind of what my plan was my freshman, sophomore year of high school. And then about my junior year, our studio was sold to somebody else. And that person came in and that was her sole job. Her job 
was owning the dance studio and teaching dance. And I thought, that's it. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know that that could actually be a way to make a living. And from then on, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to teach dance and to make it what I did. I didn't want to do something as a real job. I wanted this to be my real job. And so I graduated from high school. I went to a couple of years of community college where I met my husband. And then we moved to Mesa where he went to nursing school. And I started working in a dance, a very large dance studio in Mesa. And I worked there for several years. I kind of started with a little itty bitty three-year-olds and worked my way up to where I was teaching some of the more advanced classes. In addition to that, I was very interested in learning how the business side ran. And luckily for me, the lady that owned the studio, Frances Campbell, she was amazing. She let me start working the front desk as well. And so I started interacting with the parents and with processing the payments and seeing how that side of the business ran. And so four years later in 1998, I was actually pregnant with my first son. We had just bought a house. We were planning to stay there. My goal was actually to eventually buy Campbell's Dance Studio, just because I knew Francis would probably within the next 10 years or so, maybe would want to retire. And I thought, maybe, maybe that's what I could do. Um, And so that we had bought a house I was pregnant with my first son. We came home actually here to Safford um, for Christmas. And we just had announced to my family that that we were going to have a baby. And Christmas, I think Christmas night, I get a phone call. And it was my old dance teacher from the Safford Dance Academy. And she said, we are going to sell the studio. Do you want it? What? Yes. Was there conversation with her leading up to this? No. I mean, she knew that I was teaching. She knew that I loved dance, that I wanted it to be a part of my life forever. But I had never thought about buying the studio, the very studio that I grew up dancing at. Um, it it just, wasn't, even, wasn't even a thought on your mind. Not, no. Um, and so she called me and she said, do you want to buy the studio? If you don't, we are closing January 1st. So this was Christmas night? Yeah, Christmas night. And I said, wait, 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 I do want it. But I'm also pregnant with my first child. I have no idea what that's going to involve. I am really comfortable with my doctor here. And I do want it, but I don't want it till after this baby's born. And I said, if you will keep it open until this baby is born, he was due in June, then yes, I want it. And so that's when the process began. They agreed to keep it open. We had several months of, oh, now we have to sell our house that we just bought. And now we have to figure out how we're going to move to Safford and where we're going to live and how we're going to start this business. But sure enough, my son was born on June 27th. And by, I think, July 25th or something like that, we had moved home. My baby was five weeks old when we moved wow. home and started a business. So to say my kid, my kids grew up at the dance studio. And yeah, so that was the beginning. Um, in the beginning, it was small. There, We were only open three days a week. And one of those days was only for a couple of hours. 
Um, we, I was renting a building and it was three, we had three dance rooms in the building and that it began to grow. It was really neat to watch how it grew. I think just being there and being committed and wanting the business to grow and, and reaching out and developing those relationships is what helped that business to grow. In 2003. Hold on. Before we, before we get further ahead, I want to go back and talk about this opportunity because this just like completely blindsided you and your husband, your family completely uprooted. You had no intentions. What I love about this though, is how the universe, how God, how opportunities just seem to present themselves. When you have a desire, when you have a goal, when you have a focus and you just attract these opportunities. So let's get into that a little bit more because there's, I've run into some business owners, some entrepreneurs that, and I see both sides of this. They say that they make their own luck. And then there's times where opportunities just present themselves and they'll tell you like, yeah, I just got lucky. So invite us into your mind a little bit and your thoughts around that regarding this opportunity that presented itself. I think because she was my former teacher, because I was actually still in the business, I didn't actually own the business, but I was still teaching. I was still learning. I still had a relationship with her. She knew that's what I was doing. I think that's why. I think she just knew she wanted to sell it to somebody that she knew personally. She wanted to sell it to somebody that knew the business, that knew the industry, the dance industry. And she wanted to sell it to somebody that she could continue to have a relationship with. It was just the perfect storm, I guess, if you want to say. Yeah, for her to just call me, it kind of was a little crazy. Like, do you want this? And do you want it now? (laughs) You know, and I was like, yes, I want it. I don't want it right, right now. I want it eight, nine months down the road. And what a blessing that she actually kept it going for me. And when it was time for me to take over, she just kind of slipped out. There wasn't a big, huge, like, I'm leaving and this is Jenny. And luckily for me, she just kind of quietly slipped out and I got to take over. We don't know when opportunity is going to knock on our door as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as, as people, right? Like a lot of us have individual goals. We have desires. We have things that we want to accomplish. We don't know when opportunity is going to become knocking on the door. But one thing I want to highlight and point out, Jenny, is that you, from a young age, knew that this is what you wanted to do. So you made a very conscious effort to set yourself up to be able to capitalize on an opportunity like this. Now you had no, I mean, this opportunity completely blindsided you, but you were still gearing up to hopefully potentially buy the studio you were currently working at. So you still took it upon yourself to prepare yourself for an opportunity. You just had no idea it was going to happen at this time from this person. And I think that's important to highlight and recognize is that in life, as you're pursuing business, as an entrepreneur, it's your job to begin with the end in mind, which you did. Like your end, you wanted to own a dance studio. And so you started living your life in a way that would get you there. And I think that's where we all need to begin as business owners and as entrepreneurs, especially if you're newer in the space, begin with the end in mind and start designing your life to be able to capitalize on that opportunity and just trust 
that it's going to happen. Just trust that there's going to be an opportunity that presents itself that you'll be able to capitalize on. And I think your story was a perfect example of that. So awesome. That's incredible. And so how was your husband? What was his reaction to all of this? No, he has always been 100% supportive. I couldn't be more lucky in that. He has always been 100% supportive. He knew when he married me that really that was my goal to someday own a dance studio. And so when the opportunity presented itself, he 100% supported it. And he has been ever since. He is like my, this is my dream. And this is what I want to do person on this shoulder. And on my other shoulder, here's Isaac with like all the financial, like, well, this doesn't really make a lot of sense right now, but let's keep that in mind. He's my real, my business person, my money person. I have all these dreams of what I want to do. Okay. Let's take it down a notch and take it one step at a time. Kind of a husband and he 100% supports my ideas. He just gives me, he grounds me and gives me like, okay, let's do this, but let's do it this way. And let's do, you know, he'll support me, but he also lays out the steps. Like, let's do it this way so that it, it doesn't become overwhelming. It's great. You got to have those people in your life. And for those of us that are in business that we don't have that in our spouse, it's okay. Like I'd say it's more common not to have a spouse that that compliments you in that way and is as involved in the business. But it's important to know that you still need to have that partner, that person. It doesn't have to be your spouse, but as business owners, as as entrepreneurs, we get the big ideas. We get excited. We see the vision. We know where we want to go. And we need that person to be like, okay, I see it. I'm excited for you, but let's actually figure out a plan how to get there. Right. And uh, I'm the and dreamer so and he's yes. the worker. <laughs> yeah. And you got to have both. You got to have both because those people that are really good at executing and integrating and, and helping to ground you, sometimes they have a difficult time coming up with the vision. But once they can see the vision mm-hmm. and you share it with them, they want to be a part of it. And that's when you know you have a good partnership. And you just, you were fortunate enough to find it in your husband. I was, yes. So awesome. Excellent. We're going to take a quick commercial break here. And when we come back, you started getting into 2003 and some years coming up. So once we come back from our quick commercial break, let's start talking about what happened after you acquired this. And what I actually want to find out is some of the challenges that you had. Mm -hmm. So we'll be back in a few quick moments. Hey guys, my name is Nate Hare. I'm the executive director at Directed IRA. Directed IRA is a company that exists to provide a solution for people that want to invest their retirement accounts, be it IRAs or old 401ks, into things like real estate or things outside of the stock market. If you want to invest your IRA or old 401k into investments like real estate, apartments, syndications, or the great investments that Rev Equity has to provide, Make sure that you reach out to us. You can find our information on investwithrev.com or our website, www.directedira.com. Open a self-directed IRA and invest in alternatives today. All right. Welcome back to The Millionaire Mind. So, Jenny, you had this incredible opportunity presented. Within a few months, you sold your home, moved to Safford, and, and purchased this academy. And you were now living your dream. Right. What were some of the challenges you had early on uh, shortly after acquiring this, if there were any? I think in my business, in my industry, 
parents can be a wonderful addition to your studio. And a lot of times parents can be what's most difficult about your studio. And I, over the years, it's been a long time coming. But I think for me, one of the challenges was just learning how to develop those relationships with parents so that they respect our decisions on their child's dance education. A lot of parents come into it and think, I pay for this. I should be able to call the shots. And that's not how it works. (laughs) And I think over time, just having enough experience has given me the confidence to be able to tell parents that. That it doesn't, that's not how it works. Yes, we want your dancer. We want them to dance. We want them to have these experiences. But we also, as dance educators, know what your your dancer is missing in their dance education. We know what they need. And we know at what level they need to be dancing at. It took me a long time to get to that point. That's not something you can learn about from a book or from a podcast, like that's something you have to experience firsthand. Exactly. My first several years of owning the studio came with a lot of heartbreak because I felt like I had this pressure of what parents expected of me and of the studio and of their child's dance career. And if they weren't happy, they weren't going to pay. And if they weren't getting their way, they weren't going to pay. And of course, parents are a huge part of what my business is. They have to pay. I have to have students and a three-year-old can't pay for their own dance education. The parent has to pay. And so it was a really a lot of years of crying myself to sleep when somebody was not happy with where we placed their dancer or lots of sleepless nights. Like, what am I going to do with this dancer? This is really where she needs to be, but her mom is going to be mad that she's not with her friends or that she's not at that next level that she didn't move up like the rest of them. And it took me a lot of years. And I guess I'm going to share this experience. One night I had mom call me very upset. I had called her and told her that her daughter was no longer allowed to be in the tap dance for the dance recital because out of the 14 week season, she had missed seven classes, which is over half. You know, it is half. And she called me back and was very upset. Why didn't you let me know that my daughter had missed seven classes? And it was right then and there that I inserted my confidence. And I said, your daughter is 14 years old. It's not my responsibility as a dance studio owner to know where your daughter is. As a mother, it is your job. She is only 14. And she said to me, well, then I want my money back. And I said, I will gladly give you your money back. And I will gladly give you every penny that you have paid me this year, but your daughter and you will not be allowed into my studio ever again. And she backtrailed, 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 and didn't backstepped and did not want that. She knew that she still wanted her daughter to be a part of this. And it was right there at that day that I learned, like, it's okay to stand up for myself. It's okay to stand up for the decisions that myself and my staff make. And it's okay to have policies and to enforce those policies. It said clearly in our policies, if you miss six or more classes, you will not be allowed to perform. And 
I learned right there, not that I needed to be mean, but that I needed to be assertive and stand up for my policies. And that just gave me a boost of confidence. Like, oh, this is what it feels like to be confident and believe in myself and not let these moms dictate to me how the dance studio was going to be run. Not that I did it with pride, but that I did it coming from, I know this is the right thing to do. And you agreed to these policies before this started. And since then, I've had opportunities to be able to stand up to parents when they were rude to my staff. I've had opportunities to stand up to parents when they come to me upset that I didn't communicate with them or, no, I did communicate and this is how I communicate. And I just have learned that when I am able to show them policies, when I'm able to stand up for the things that we put out there and for the things that we do and for the things that we believe in, that people respect us. People respect my decisions. People respect my staff. And I just have learned that it's okay. It's okay to let, if people aren't happy, it's okay to let them walk away also. Part of that is having an abundant mindset too, Mm -hmm. especially when you're starting out a a new business, you want everyone and you want to please everyone because that's how you're going to keep the doors open. And it, and you, you mentioned this, like there was nights you were up just trying to figure out what was best for these students, or maybe parents were complaining about this or that. And, uh, and it took years for you to, to really be able to, to stand up and have that confidence and be like, no, this is what we're going to do. And this is how it's going to happen. So in this incidence that you shared with us, was this, did you go into this conversation knowing that was going to happen or did this, this courage, this confidence just kind of overcome you and, and you just like, you put your foot down and you're like, nope, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. I was actually surprised myself. Actually, <laughs> when I got off the phone, I was like, I can't believe I just did that. But wow, did it feel good? Did it feel good to be able to say like, no, you don't get to call the shots here. Like I will listen to you and I understand, but you don't get to call the shots here. And if you want your money back, I will give it to you. But don't you expect to ever walk into my business again? And I really just felt confident enough in my business, in my staff, in myself to know that either she was going to walk away and I wouldn't ever have to deal with her again, or she was going to apologize and continue dancing. And like I said, I've had to do this several other times since then. And I love every dancer that walks into my door, but I will never again, let somebody treat myself or my staff poorly or to threaten us with lawsuits or to, you know, no, you're, it's not required that your dancer dances, that your daughter gets to dance. If we will gladly take them, we will love them. We will educate them. We will teach them. You can't treat us poorly. You have to respect what we do. And having that confidence has come, it's taken a long time to get there, but it feels good to be that confident. You've been able to set some healthy boundaries for yourself, for your staff, for the parents. It sounds like you have these policies. These expectations are upfront, like you're not hiding anything. And if people choose not to read it or understand or choose to agree with it, 
that's on them. That's not on you as a business owner. And I think that's really important to understand as any business owner listening to this. Number one, you will never serve every single person. Like your business isn't going to serve every single one. There are going to be people that are going to say no. They're not going to align with your business, your service, your product, your culture, whatever it is. And that's okay because you're not out there to please everyone. You're there to create an impact and create something of value, whether it's a product or a service and align with people that see value in that. And you as a business owner, that's on you. Like you have that control, you have that ability. And I think we underestimate that sometimes as business owners of really that level of control and responsibility, I would say that we possess. So Jenny, for somebody that might be listening to this, that's having a hard time, maybe they have difficult clients, they have difficult customers, any advice you could share with them into how just ideas, ways that maybe they can go about getting to that point of confidence or clearly setting those boundaries so that they can more effectively serve those that they set out to serve? I think for me, it just has come with time and with experience. And I think another thing for me was deciding that the studio had to be my happy place. I wanted it to be my happy place. And if I had customers that were making it not happy for me to be there, then it was okay to say goodbye because I needed to be able to go to work and be able to have it be my happy place instead of my place of stress. Now that doesn't go like I have a stressful job, like come dance recital time. I don't sleep. There's a lot of stress that goes into those types of events, but I don't need to also be stressed by parents who are unhappy with the product whether it be our policies, whether it be how they feel like their dancer is progressing within our program, whatever the case may be. I don't have to be stressed and unhappy because of that. And I just have learned that if I stay true to what I believe and what I want my studio to be, there will be people that will come because they believe in the same things and they can see the success of what we do. They can see that we've been here for 25 years, that we have dancers who love it. And those are the kind of people that we want. And if there's people, like you said, whose beliefs don't align with that, then it's okay that they don't dance. I would rather go to my business, my happy place and be happy. And to me, it's worth it. And that's your, you have that ability as a business owner. It's your job to set the tone, the vibe, the culture, like that's on you as a business owner. There are going to be stresses. It's not that every day is going to be a nice, peaceful walk in the park. I mean, that's just part of business. That's just part of life. But we enjoy that. We appreciate it as business owners. It gives us that challenge. It gives us the ability to learn more about ourselves, to push to that next level. So we wouldn't want it any other way. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the growth here because you said when you acquired this, they were only open, what, three days a week. And one of those days was only open for a few hours. What's your schedule look like now? So now in what year was it? 2006, I believe it was. We bought our own building. Luckily for us, one of my dancer's parents 
it's funny because here we go back to the hospital was the director of nursing and her husband was either the CFO or the CEO of the hospital at the time. And their daughter danced and they knew we were looking for a building. And so the hospital actually owned a building in downtown Safford and they were going to sell it. They were done with it. They used it for their billing department and they actually built a building on the hospital campus for their building, for their billing department. And so she approached us and said, I know you're looking for a building. Are you interested in this building? So here so we go. Deja vu, huh? Yep, fell <laughs> into my lap. And sure enough, it was perfect for us. It's an old, when I was a child, it was a JCPenney's. And wow. <laughs> yeah, when JCPenney's was in all of the small towns, this actually was the JCPenney's when I was in Yeah, when I was a child, I remember going in there and shopping. And anyway, we bought the building and from there had to do a huge rebuild of the inside of the building to make it work for us. And because it was all open floors, it's three levels, but it was all open space. And I wanted to be able to have several dance rooms. And so we had a huge rebuild of the inside of the building. And we now have one, two, three, five dance rooms. Wow. And we are open Monday through Thursday. So we're open four days a week. And those five rooms are filled from 3.30 till 8 o'clock at night, all five rooms for the most part. I mean, there are nights that we get done a little bit earlier. We start a little bit later, but for the most part, they are filled for those four days. Now, a lot of dance studios that I know of are open on Saturdays. Saturday is one of their biggest days, but for me, I choose not to. And for my dance teachers that work for me, they don't want to work on Saturdays either. And because we have five rooms and because we can open and offer multiple classes at the same time, we don't have to open on Saturdays. We are there on Saturdays when we choose to be, when we have extra rehearsals or when we have performances or solo rehearsals or anything like that. We can be open on Saturdays, but Saturday is not one of our regular days. And it has helped for my staff to be able to feel like they have some time off on the weekends. It's helped me to be able to be a part of my own children's lives. I have two boys that are very involved in sports and that includes Saturdays for most of them. I didn't want to be stuck at the studio. I wanted to be able to go to my own children's activities and be their mom. And so having a bigger building with multiple dance rooms allows me to be able to have the schedule that I want, that my dance teachers want, that suits us where we are. So it sounds like this bigger building back in, you said 2006 when you purchased it, this really enabled you to scale and get to where where you are. Were you at a point in the business then where you needed the space? Was it part of the plan to continue growing? Like, were you busting at the seams where you were? We were busting at the seams where we were, for sure. We had already opened, we were already open four days a week at the old business, but with only three dance rooms and no air conditioning, I should add, at the old building in Arizona. In Arizona. <laughs> I really wanted a building that we could grow into. And when we first bought our building and made the five dance rooms, we actually leased out one of our rooms to somebody that wanted to do Taekwondo. And we leased that out for a few years because we didn't need it at the time. But 
eventually it led to like, oh, well, he's not using that room on Monday. So I'm going to use that room on Monday. And oh, okay. Well, maybe he just doesn't. It just kind of our business grew to where we just needed that room also. And it's been amazing. It's been amazing that we have been able to grow that much and to be able to fill the dance studio like we needed to. What was one of your biggest challenges in growth and scaling? I think for me, one of my biggest challenges is finding qualified teachers to be able to teach. Because of being in a small town, people don't just move to Stafford, Arizona to teach dance. And so it's been quite a process to be able to find teachers qualified to teach And luckily for me, at the beginning of my business, um, I had the ballet teacher that was with the old studio owner continued to teach ballet for me. I did have somebody that moved to Safford to teach ballet after she was done. Her husband actually got transferred. And so I had that opportunity. In the meantime, I started developing my own students and first started them as assistant teachers. So they would work alongside me to learn how to teach and how I like the classes to be run. And then eventually as they went from student assistant teacher to then teaching their own class. And I realized, oh gosh, when was it? I think it was back. I might have to look. I wrote some stuff down because I wanted to make sure I remembered. Let's see, in 2015, so it had been several years, but in 2015, I looked at my staff and I realized that every teacher that I had was a former student of mine. And awesome. that was one of those, like, one of those awful moments where you go like, wow, this is amazing. What we have here and what we've created is amazing. Amazing enough that I have kids who grew up dancing that now want to continue teaching and that believe in the philosophies that I have, believe in the same things that I want for our students. And how incredible it's been since then to have a staff full of kids who grew up dancing with me that loved dance that much that they wanted to keep doing it. And I've seen how our students have progressed in the dance world since then. I've seen how at peace I can be when I'm at the studio because I don't have conflicting viewpoints of people who think that we should do things differently because every teacher I have has grown up learning the same way that I want to continue. Not that we haven't progressed in the dance world. The dance world has definitely progressed. But the philosophies of like, we want our dancers to become the best dancers that they can be, but we want them to also become the best people that they can be as they progress through our programs. It just really is an amazing thing to have that everyone that I have is grew up at the studio. It's pretty. I think that says a lot about the, just the community and the culture that you're creating there, that these people, they want to come back. They may have gotten graduated college, maybe have gotten jobs, started families, but they still have this passion and this desire and this love for dance. And they're still able to experience that in some small degrees by, by teaching. And then because of that culture that you presented, they, they're able to maintain that probably some of the greatest memories they had growing up. And now they're able to to make that impact on the younger generation as well. That's incredible. Yeah. 
Another really neat experience I had, or just like another aha moment that I had was just this past summer. I was with my staff and we were actually on a way to a dance teacher training conference, just with two of my other staff members, two of my like more full-time staff members. And we were just talking. We have just lost a couple of kids that were in high school and chose not to dance after dancing since they were three, they chose to take their senior year off or their junior year off. And we were talking about like how discouraging that is for us because like we want them to keep dancing. We'd love them. We've known them since they were three. Like what, is it something we did wrong or like, are there things that we need to change within our business to help keep them And we were just having this conversation. And I think the neatest thing, the another aha moment I had was when I realized that I have now a class of like seven and eight-year-olds that every one of their parents was one of my former teachers. I'm sorry, not one of my (laughs) former teachers, but one of my former students. I have this class full of kids who every one of their moms danced with me. And did all of those moms continue all the way through our program and graduate and do a senior solo? Like that's the big thing that you get to do when you're a senior. And we started thinking about it. No, not all of them did. Yes, some of them did, but not all of them did. But the thing that made me go like, wow, was that even if they didn't finish their program, maybe they decided to do cheer or maybe they decided to do volleyball or whatever the case may be. They didn't finish our program, but our program was special enough to them that now their daughter, they want their daughter to have those same experiences that they had. And I thought, wow, that's incredible. You're not just impacting one person. You're starting to impact generations now. And that's something... When you started this years ago, did you have any foresight, vision, idea that it was going to become what it is today? No, I just knew that I wanted to share my love of dance with others and to be able to watch that journey and to be able to see how it has impacted people. It's just incredible and humbling and what a pleasure it is to be part of people's journeys in their life. And to just be a small little part of their life that makes maybe makes their life happier or helps them in whatever they decide to do in their life. That I can be one small or not even me, like my studio can be one small little glimpse in their life that makes a huge impact or maybe a small impact, whatever. It's part of their life and how exciting that is and special. Spoken like a true successful business owner right there. (laughs) Love it. So well, Jenny, we're coming up on time. I had a feeling this interview was going to fly by and sure enough, it did. And definitely appreciate you coming on and just sharing your passion for what you do. And I think that was very apparent through your stories, through your experiences. What's coming up? What's next for you and, and Safford Dance Academy? I've been thinking about that and really like, I love what I do. I know that my body can't handle what I do forever. And I wish it could, right? Like I wish I could just take like a drink from the fountain of youth or something. But as I'm getting older, I can feel the wear and tear on my body. And so I think what's next for me, I guess, is to just make a plan for like, how can this studio run without me in the classroom every day? 
And how can it continue to be what I want it to be and give the kids the experience that I want it to be without being in the classroom every hour that we're open, teaching every hour that we're open? Because my body feels it now more than it did 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think, I guess that's what's next for me is just coming up with what how training people, getting people and policies and procedures in place so that I don't have to be in the classroom every day. But that's what I love. So that's the hard part. Yeah. I have secretaries. I have office managers. I have people that take care of the parents because I love to be in the classroom. So I'm going to have to, not that I don't love the business side, but I don't love it as much as the teaching side. And I'm going to have to develop a passion, more passion for running the business and allowing my teachers and more teachers and more staff to love the kids like I do. That delegation, I could see that being difficult, especially when you've invested so much time and energy and blood, sweat, tears, everything into what you've created. But that's also part of the natural progression of business too. And that has its own challenges that any successful business owner is going to have to experience. So this has been awesome. Well, Jenny, as we wrap this up, there's questions I like to ask every guest at the end of every episode. And the first one being is, what has been one of your favorite quotes that you've embodied and lived by? I actually have two. I hope you don't mind if I share both of them. But Not at all. The first one actually came from, we were in New York. So another thing that I like to do with my business is take dancers on trips, let them travel, perform, take classes, train in different parts of the country because we're so secluded where we are. I like for them to be able to get out and experience other places. And so since 2001, I've been taking dancers about every three years to New York City. We take classes, we watch Broadway shows, and then of course we do all the tourism stuff so that they can see that as well. Well, in 2001, my very first year taking dancers to New York City, there was a man on the subway and he kind of asked what we were doing because a group of girls riding the subway, he's like, what are you doing? Anyway, we told him and he said to me, and I'll never forget it. He said, if you do the things you need to do when you need to do them, then someday you will be able to do the things you want to do when you want to do them. And that has impacted me since then. I have really tried to get things done when they need to do them. I've really tried to run my business that way, to grow my business when I could grow it, to get things prepared, when to train people, all of that, to do it when it needed to be done. Because someday I want to be able to maybe go and visit my grandkids. I don't I have one on the way, but I don't have one yet. <laughs> And be able to visit them and not have to worry about the business as much or be able to travel with my husband. I want to have everything in place so that I can do the things I want to do. And I have just really tried anything. That's great philosophy in life. Like if you're going to go to college, go to college when you need to go to college, because someday you're going to want to do something else. Um, For me, it was build my business Even though it wasn't ideal, I bought my business when my first son was five weeks old. But in all through, like all through, I have three children through them. Like I took, I had two of my kids and only took two weeks off and was right back at the business. Um, 
But I knew because of that quote that I needed to do what I needed to do then because someday I want to be able to do something else. I want to do the things I want to do later in life. And I think that's just was life changing for me to hear that. And then another quote that I just really tried to live by was told to me and it's love is the greatest force in all the world, the strongest force. And through it, anything can be accomplished. And I really tried to live my life that way. I really want my dancers to know whether they're three, whether they're 16, whether they leave my doors their senior year, you know, whatever, that it's okay that I love them no matter what they choose, no matter what they do, I love them. And I think they can feel that and they know that and that's what keeps them coming. And one thing I always say is if dancers leave, they choose to do something else is our door is always open for you to come back. And I think they can feel that love and they know that they're always welcome no matter what. I think that love's apparent, especially as you shared like the challenging nights that you have when you're up thinking about them. Like you don't do that unless you truly care about someone and for their well-being. So I can see through our conversation today, how you've been able to implement that and bring it into your business. So that's incredible. So Jenny, if there was one thing you could share with other business owners that are beginning or simply trying to get to that next level, what would it be? I heard this at advanced teacher conference for once and it really resonated with me. And I really have tried to do this since then. This business owner director that was giving the conference said, don't worry about what the business down the street is doing. Be so focused on what you're doing with your business that it doesn't matter what they're doing. You do you and you do you focused and ready and do what it takes to make your business successful. And don't worry about your competitors because people will come to you because of what you are. And if you do it right, your competitors are going to be looking up to you, asking you, wondering what you're doing. So (laughs) I think that's very, very solid advice. Well, Jenny, how can our listeners learn more about you, Safford Dance Academy, if they have questions, want to get in contact? What's the best way for them to do that? Probably through Facebook. So we're on Facebook at Safford Dance Academy, and we're also on Instagram, Safford Dance Academy. And our email address is safforddance at gmail.com. And it's weird because it's two Ds in a row. So Safford Dance, (laughs) but it works. (laughs) Awesome. We'll be sure to include that contact info in the show notes. So, well, look, this has been an incredible conversation with Jenny. And if this is your first time listening, I'm so glad that you tuned in. People have been asking me what my company does. So since I have you here listening to my show, I'll share that with you now. So my company partners with busy professionals, just like Jenny, that are looking to experience significant tax savings, have more to invest, and even reinvest their hard-earned capital. And we work with other successful business owners like you by offering them opportunities to invest alongside us in large apartment deals. At Rev, we found that most successful business owners have a strong desire to give and to serve. And we simply provide the vehicle to enable them to grow and preserve their wealth so they can give up their time and financial success 
more abundantly and freely. If you've been wanting to get involved in apartment investing, but have been too busy to figure out where or how to start, then you can find out how I can serve you by visiting investwithrev.com and schedule a 15-minute discovery call. It can be overwhelming vetting the right investment and the right operator, but at Rev, we make apartment investing easy. Jenny, thanks again so much for coming on the show and just sharing your passion and helping our listener, inviting them into your journey and to instill the sense of just willpower and desire to accomplish what it is that that you set out to do. So really appreciate your time today. Thank you. It was fun. I appreciate it. Excellent. And to our listener, remember, you can't have a million dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. So go out there and earn your win for today. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Hope you got value from this episode of The Millionaire Mind, a journey into the mindset of successful business owners. If you want to get results, you've got to take the right steps to get there. Dallin hosts a free weekly educational webinar focused on teaching you how to start investing in apartments so you too can experience the benefits of real estate ownership without doing any of the heavy lifting. There you can gain insights, connect with others like you, and ask Dallin all your burning questions about how you can start owning apartments today. Go to themillionairemind.us. That link is in the show notes.